Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we're going to be. And... um, My uh, experience with things is minimal in a lot of areas, uh, <laughs> as in fishing, as I was talking about this morning. One of the other things I've, I've never done is build something from scratch. I mean, I've never built even a doghouse. Uh, I've built, I think I've built a birdhouse, but that may be the extent of it. I, I've never built a house, a, a structure, or anything like that. And, and uh, my neighbor, I, I, I uh, love my neighbors and everything, but my neighbor has grandchildren, and he uh, decided that he wanted to build a, a treehouse for his grandchildren. They're at that age where they want to climb on the tree, so he decided he was going to build them a, a tree house so that it would be safer for them to climb in the tree than just out there climbing on it without anything. And uh, this was before Christmas. He decided to do it uh, for a Christmas present. And uh, he, he, I was out there messing in the yard, and he, I said, what you doing? And he said, I'm building a, bird, uh, building a tree house. And I said, "Oh, really?" I said, "What kind are you gonna build?" And he said, "Well, I'm just, I'm just going with the flow." He said, "You're laughing because you know what's going coming along." Um, he says, "I'm just going with what." I, he says, "I've never built one before in my life," and that, <laughs> that ought to make you laugh even more. And he said, "I'm just using uh, scraps of wood we have here at the house too." One, two, three. Those are three. The three things that he mentioned were three things I would never do if I ever decided to build something. One of the most important things that you need to do when you uh, build something, and again, I've never built anything, but I know how important it is at least to have a plan, if not blueprints, on how to build something. Because you could wind up with a a house that has a, a... uh, floor that sits like this, or you could have a, a, a house that has a doorway that's this high as opposed to the right height. You have to have at least some kind of plan, if not blueprints, so that you know where you're going, what you're going to do, what size of, of uh Building materials you need, how many, how many of, of whatever, you know, uh, 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 you guys that are uh, milling the, the trees and, and turning it into lumber. If you sat there and said, well, we got pretty much a, a good, good stack of lumber here, right? And it's, it's cured enough, let's build a something. And you just started hammering on that wood with nails. No particular plan on what you're going to build, no particular idea what you'd... You'd just come out with a mess, wouldn't you? I mean, you wouldn't come out with anything that looked like... I don't know, y'all are so talented, you probably could. You probably could just start hammering on it and and uh, it'd turn into some master creation. But I'm not that way, and most people aren't that way. 
You've got to have good blueprints or a good plan as to what you're doing so that you know how many pieces of lumber I'm going to need of this size and how many uh, uh, pieces of lumber of that size, how many nails I'm going to need, what am I going to uh, do for this and that and the other, how am I going to make it, uh, make sure it has a good foundation. Uh, I mean, if you don't think about all those things, what's going to happen? You'll build it and it'll all come crashing down. And here he is, he's got his grandchildren on this thing and it, and and I, I'm not going to say much more about it. He, he accomplished a lot with what he had. Let me just put it that way. Um, but it, it doesn't look like the traditional tree house because it wasn't built as a traditional tree house. It was... I think let's put this here and let's put that there. Now, I'm not making fun of him at all. He he did more than I could ever do probably uh, with what he had. And so I, I admire him for the fact that... And he he took... He decided he wanted to paint it. So he, he said uh, what he did was he took all that, uh, the paint that he had left over and he just mixed it all together. And And he mixed it all together and it came out with this... Interesting color. And uh, it's painted is about all I can say about it. Um, but it, it, it's, it's not white. It's not pink. It's not red. It's, I don't know what color it is. It, it's, it's a mixture of all these colors he had left over. He, he just mixed them all together. Um, if you're serious about what you're building, you cannot approach it with those with that approach now he was just doing this for fun this was not where they were living this was not where they were going to seek shelter when the hurricane came through or when the tornadoes came through it wasn't up during the hurricane when the tornado came through they were not expecting to find shelter in this treehouse uh, they are just simply wanting a place where their kids could get up there and play and have it sturdy enough to where they won't fall out of the tree. And it serves its purpose and it's exactly what... It's not conventional in any way. But if you approach your life in that way, in that manner... Now, I know my neighbor would never approach the place that he actually does live, his home, in that manner. You never would approach uh, even building a shed for your, your carport in that manner. You want to make sure you do things in a specific way so that you know that these load-bearing uh, beams can hold up a roof and so that it won't fall down on your on your car and all that kind of thing. You do all those things because you want to make sure that what you build is sturdy, that it is dependable, that it is reliable, that it does what it's supposed to do, and that it'll stand and last and it won't fall with the first wind that comes along. So why is it that we approach our Christian life with the same approach that my neighbor did with his treehouse? So many Christians approach their Christian life as if, well, we'll just see what we can slap together. We'll just see what comes along. We'll do whatever we need to do to, to, to get past this obstacle 
that's here right in front of us, but we don't plan anything out. We don't plan how our, our Christian life is going to be built. We don't plan how we're going to... I mean, really, most of... You know, I've got two daughters that are getting ready to go off to college and we're sending them off to go and we're encouraging them to go to college because we know how hard life is you wouldn't go you wouldn't you wouldn't dare attempt to face the challenges of life without some kind of preparation that's why children go to school and we want them to at least finish high school so at least they're have the beginnings of preparation to face life. You send them off to technical college or college or, or, or vocational school so that they can learn something so that they can then face the rest of their life, be able to earn in, uh, you know, start a career or start a profession or start uh, uh, a, a job, a vocation so that they can become independent, so they can face life and so that they can, when they get married and go off and, and are beginning to start a family, that they don't wind up back at home with mom and dad. Now, mom and dad might not always mind if they're there at least at the beginning. But there comes a time when you want to, you're going to want to say, hey, you got your own life. Go, go live it. Go, go out there and you know, kick them out of the nest and, and hope they can fly because you, you know that if they stay in the nest forever that they'll never spread their wings and fly on their own. So we know how important it is to plan, how important it is to prepare. And that's the way it is with our Christian life as well. Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to begin uh, looking at uh, this passage of Scripture at uh, verse 1. It says, Now there are the command, uh, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God command to teach you that you might do them in the land where ye uh, go to possess it. So these are instructions that God is, is planning to give the children of Israel. And Deuteronomy was written, and this at the time of which God is giving them. Now you have to remember, these uh, God is... Uh, delivering this information to the children of Israel as they are coming out of uh, slavery in Egypt. Now, Deuteronomy is, is where God gives them all these different laws that they're to use, utilize in their life. And, the, and this was uh, primarily, uh, as I've said before, many times before, first of all, the laws were given so that they would understand and know how important it is to see uh, the holiness of God and to see how they are t and to learn how they're to approach God. They, they're not to worship God in the same way that they saw uh, the Egyptians worship all the different idols that they worshiped. They weren't to, to have other gods in their life like the Egyptians and all these other peoples that they were going to encounter as they were entering into the land that they were to possess. They had to go from a society and a people that were slaves for generations to becoming a people of, the, of their, their own people, of the people of God. And look, throughout 
the journey of Israel from the day in, uh, when you go, go back to Exodus and as you read about how the children of Israel are, were delivered by God out of the bondage of slavery and, and they are starting to go out into the wilderness to, to get away from this slavery. And as they go, read through that sometime. Read how many times the children of Israel talk about, hey, you know, it would be so much greater if we just go back to Egypt. We just go back there. We had pots fulls of meat. And we had onions and herbs. And, and we had all of this. And you just drug us out here to die and bury us in the wilderness. Now, remember they're ta- when they talk about these pots of meat and herbs and all that kind of thing, they're talking about going back to slavery. What kind of mentality do you have to have where you constantly have a people that are, are looking with great longing to the days in which they're in slavery? In slavery, okay? So God had to use these... God was giving these commandments and giving these rules of how they are to live in order to mold their mentality into a people of God, uh, no longer being slaves. God didn't want... Look, it could have been easy for God to just simply say, okay, y'all, are slave, y'all were slaves in Egypt. Y'all are going to continue to follow me as slaves. And everything I say you're to do, you do without any question. You just do it. And, and as things come up, I'll tell you what to do. Don't worry about it. Now, I mean, that might be the approach that we would take. Instead, of, we would say, good grief, I'm so tired of their complaining. Uh, you just listen to what I say and every time that something comes up I'll just tell you what to do God didn't want them to continue on in slavery God didn't want them to worship uh, to follow him as slaves he wanted them to worship him as people of God as a royal priesthood of God and so uh, God is giving these rules uh, so that they can understand how they're to live And that's what he says. These are the rules that you need to understand and take with you when you go into the land to possess it. And verse 2 says, "...that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep His statutes and His commandments." And thy son and thy son's son and all the days of thy life and all the days may be prolonged." Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest in the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou rise up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt be frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates. So this is God's message to the children of Israel. 
He says you need to be very concerned with, with understanding these commands that I'm giving you. And he says it's, it's also you can, not only so you can know how you should live, but so that your children know how they should live, and how your children's children should know how they live, and your children's children's children. He, he says, look, if you want to make sure, and look, you have to understand something. We live in a day and age when most people, when they have, it's a tragedy. And it is when you find someone that you know that has a child and and they die in child uh, being born or soon after they were born. It's a tragedy when we hear of children that are born and they couple of months old and then all of a sudden they die of a disease or an accident or or because of some birth defect or something like that it's very rare and and doesn't happen very often but i remember uh talking to my mom uh, my dad particularly about how life was like for him and his family growing up on a farm in the hills of North Carolina. And you have to understand, my dad uh, was born in a time, his father was born in the, in the uh, 1800s. So uh, much of life in the early 1930s when my daddy was born is much like life in the 1800s. I mean, a lot, not much had changed. Not many, much change in innovations it, it was all very similar. So, you know, we're talking about 19th century living. And people had 20 children. Like, you know, my my mama's, uh, my grandmother on my mama's side, my mother's mother's one of 20 children. My dad's one of 11 children. You know, uh, Mr. Fred, you had how many children? Twelve of you. Families were big. Why? Because... There was a time where you had 12, 20 children and maybe six of them lived. Four of them lived into adulthood because disease was so rampant, because life was hard. Life was difficult. Uh, and at the time, and that's in the 1800s and the early 1900s. Now we're talking about, you know, uh, several thousand years ago in terms of the Israelites coming out of Egypt uh, to have children and lots of children and to have them to grow up and to have children's children. Go back and read Job if you're ever wanting to understand the significance of children and how Job uh, is assailed with the fact that all of his children die in basically one day. And he's seen as very blessed because he has so many children. And then at the end of Job, after all of it's over, and it speaks about how Job was blessed and he had more children than he had before. It was a sign of great blessings to have children. And he was able to live and to see not only his children grow up, but to see his grandchildren have children. It was a sign of great blessings to have all those children and generations of children And God is trying to help the Israelites to understand, look, you need to understand that my desire is that my blessings extend to not just you, but to your children and to your children's children, your children's 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 children and on and on and on that this would be a perpetual blessing. And God says, how can you have that blessing? 
Hear the words of God. Observe His words. Love Him with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Write down His statutes, the laws of God. Put them... uh, He says, put them on a little frontlet. Now, you and I... Does anybody know what a frontlet is? If you ever see... uh, a Orthodox Jew, even to this day, we saw some pictures of the missionary that uh, that uh, that was a missionary to Israel. He had some pictures of people at the uh, Wailing Wall, and these Orthodox Jews that are standing there. They and they're there with their uh, uh, different things, the prayer shawl and all that, and and you see them with this thing strapped on their head. It looks like a little mini hat, but it's really a box. And it's, it's uh, strapped to the f- uh, front of their head. That is a frontlet. And it's a box that they're able to have uh, this passage of Scripture primarily as a reminder that it represents all of God's laws. And it's written on a, on a slip of paper and it's put in that little box and, it's, and, and they wear it in, in, on their forehead between their eyes. Because why? Because God says, keep your, um, my commandments in the front, in the, between your eyes. He says to make sure if you ever go to a Jewish home, you'll see uh, that they have uh, on their door frame a little little thing that it looks like maybe a place where you put a, a flower or something. It looks not, not much bigger than a little where you put a little bud in, in a flower uh, vase. But it, what it is really is it's a little thing that and they always tap it when they go in and out. If you, y'all know? Jewish people, you know how they do. That's what this is referencing too. It's it's a way for them to remember all of the laws of God, and they tap it to remind them of that they are to uh, remember it. God says, "I want you to share this. Uh, keep this on the forefront of your mind. You are to keep my laws, and my commandments, in your heart and your mind. You are to wear this in the frontlet of your on on uh, on your head, in between your eyes, not." As now, Jewish people took that as a literal command of God, and it was something that they needed to do at the time, but they lost the significance of what it meant. Now, the Israelite, uh, the Jewish people, they're all about all these laws. And, and the missionary told us about how they're to wear these prayer shawls and they had the tassels that went down and they're to have the tassels on their undergarments and all these different things. And all of these things were to remind them of the different aspects of that God's always with. And he, he shared with us the meanings of them. But for a lot of Jewish people, they've forgotten the meaning because they've obsessed over the fact that they've got to have a frontlet when they go to the uh, when they go to the Welling Wall or when they uh, or the Eastern they call it the Eastern Wall or uh, they have to have uh, a hat on their head to cover their nakedness uh, when they go to uh, these holy places and where they go in and they're to always do this and do that well those things were to remind them of the the 
the holiness of God, to remind them of the laws that, that God was, to, uh, was trying to give them on how they should live and how they should conduct themselves. These were all important things that they needed to keep. And for so many of them, though, they've forgotten the significance that they are to remember how they're to, they're to, they were, these laws were about setting themselves apart from all the other people that were around them, not to fall into the worship of those other gods, uh, the gods that they worshipped. The, they were only to worship uh, Jehovah God, that they were to only worship Him and to keep uh, Jehovah God at the forefront of their mind and their heart, that they were to love God with all of them. Of the, uh, you'll notice this is the passage of Scripture that Jesus quotes when the lawyer asked Him, what was the greatest commandment? What was the greatest law? There are 600... And uh, 38 laws in the, in the Old Testament. And he was saying, hey, pick the one that means the most. Jesus picked this one right here. And of course, all of them were familiar with this. Because why? Because it, in the time of Jesus, they had the frontlets at that point. Because uh, this was after a couple of thousand years after uh, God gave them this commandment to have that. They, uh, If they didn't have it on the frontlet, they had it on their right hand. Uh, wrapped around their hand. Why? Because everything they did was supposed to be focused on keeping the commands of God. They touched the little vase that has the command, this passage of Scripture on the doorpost. Why? Because it's, uh, God tells them, look, in everything that you do, Everything that you're doing, whether you're getting up, go, uh, sitting down, whether you're going outside, you're, whatever you're doing, make sure that you keep this on the forefront of your heart and your mind. Keep the words of God in your heart and your life. And I'm sad to say, maybe some people need to go back to doing some of that because they certainly don't keep the Word of God on the forefront of their heart and their mind on an everyday basis. Maybe it would be a good thing for them to be, have a reminder of keeping God's Word at the forefront of their heart and their mind. We don't go through... Look, um, we don't go through life considering what God's Word has to say about uh, certain circumstances. Why? Because we think of so many things as not as important. Well, that, that's not that important. I'll deal with that. No, we're told in everything that we everything that we do, we need to consult what God would have us to do, what God wants us to do. What does God's Word say that we're to do? How are we to uh, go through our life? We're to, and so we need to focus uh, as Christians. Now, you know, you might be saying this is this is some this is old law that was given to the Israelites. Well, I'm not Jewish, first of all. Second of all, we don't live. 4,000 years ago, uh, I, do I really need to go around with this strap to my head? Um, well, some of us that have a hard time, uh, you know, keeping up with our head unless, unless it's strapped to our body, uh, maybe it would be good for us to have the Word of God strapped to the forefront of our head. But uh, really, no, we don't have to, but we need to have some kind of reminder if you're intelligent enough to to realize that you need have that you need to have God's word at the forefront of your mind and your heart and everything that you do, then maybe you don't need to have it strapped to your forehead. But but a lot of us we have a hard time remembering that, and we go through life and we think, oh, how am I going to get through this? Oh yeah, maybe I need to think what God. Maybe I need to pray about it a little bit, uh, and and 
Maybe it'd be a good idea to look in the Bible to see what God has to say about. You know, those things were were instituted by God so that the children of Israel, in everything that they did, they would see the the laws of God, the Word of God. They would keep God's Word at the forefront of their heart and mind. Secondly, he says, not only are you to to keep the Word of God on the forefront of your mind in everything that you do, but you're also to to, uh, uh, make sure that you consider God's Word in everything that you do. And I already touched on this a little bit. in every aspect of your life, in every throughout your day, he says, whether you're sitting up, whether you're walking this way or that way, whether you're going in and out of your house, whether you're sitting down, whether you're rising up, always consider God's word, and 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 that's talking about constantly throughout your day, making time to focus on God's word in your life. It's more than just simply saying to yourself, what does God's Word have to say about this circumstance in your life? But when life is just humming along, when life is going on all eight cylinders and things are going good, and you're consulting God's Word and all the major decisions in your life, God says you're also to think about God's Word in your life. Just just think about God's Word in your daily life. You know, uh, maybe you're not... Uh, translating that for today's circumstances. Maybe you're not making a decision about uh, your job or a decision about uh, how you're going to act and react to people in your workplace. Or maybe you're not trying to decide uh, what your, what your vocation is going to be uh, throughout your life or how you're going to deal with, with this circumstance or that circumstance. Maybe you're just driving down the road. The other day, coming back from Cleveland, Georgia, when we were took my daughter up to uh, Truett McConnell, uh, we spent a good five hours on the road. What a wonderful time to spend in God's Word while you're doing something as mundane as driving. Now, I've got uh, the, my Bible on my podcast, and I was able to sit and listen to Scripture, uh, able to listen and sit and listen to someone uh, uh, preaching or uh, explaining God's Word. You know, times like those are times where you need to reclaim where you're going through life and you're just doing mundane things. You're vacuuming the floor. You're uh, washing the dog, whatever it might be. Great opportunities to spend time in God's Word so that you can allow God's Word to speak into your heart and life. That's what that's talking about. Whether you're sitting down, lying, uh, standing up, going here or there, always have God's Word. Third thing, he says, make sure that you teach it to your children. One of the most important things that we ought to do is to understand the importance of teaching God's Word to our children because guess what? That's going to be the next generation that's going to come up. We're not going to live... Anybody here think they're going to live forever? Don't see any hands. No? We all are going to die someday, right? There's going to come a day when your children are the adults or your grandchildren are the adults. Are they going to have as a devoted relationship with God as you have today? Do you have as devoted a relationship with God as your parents or grandparents? 
This is how this happens. You need to teach your children or your grandchildren the importance of taking time to spend in God's Word, of studying God's Word, of consulting God's Word in situations in in their life, or else they're going to lose out. They're going to miss out. They're going to make mistakes. They're not going to have... It's not going to be passed down to your children or your grandchildren. And it's going to be lost forever. We're one generation... I've heard this time and time again. We're one generation away from total lostness in the world because it's each generation's responsibility to teach the next, to go out and teach the next God's Word and to share God's Word. It was nothing for the people who lived here 177 years ago to know the importance of God in their life. They knew that importance because they established this church and they wanted with all of their being and they sacrificed in order to build this church as a a shining light on a hillside to tell people in this community about God's Word. You don't think that after they got finished with the physical building of this church that they spent time out there telling people about God and, and telling people about Jesus Christ? Not quite as important as as it was for the next generation, was it? Now here we are a couple of generations later. We think we deserve a gold star if we go out on visitation. Or if we call somebody up and say, Hey, how about coming to church Sunday? Please do those things. But you don't deserve a gold star. That's part of who we are, who we're supposed to be. It's part of who we... And if we don't... Look, if we're not doing it, we're also not teaching it to our children and our grandchildren. If we're not demonstrating it, they're not going to learn to do it. They won't do it because they didn't see it in us. That's what this is all about. The importance of teaching it to your children has ramifications that go generation after generation after generation. What we demonstrate, what your children see... Look... When I was going to seminary, I picked up some things about counseling and things like that. And one of the things that that I learned about uh, life is is that um, the way you are in your home, the way you do things in your house right now, I'm going to spook you out right now. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to say, do you have cameras in my home? The way you live in your house today is how you're parents lived in their home or one of two things it's exactly how your parents did it or it was so bad that it's exact opposite now that's fewer than it is uh it's it's not as uh quite the norm but it's one of two things either your home is run exactly the way your parents ran it and you did do things in your house. Look, you you do things in your home because you saw your dad or your mom do it that way. And <coughs> they did it the way they did it because they saw their mom or their daddy do it. And it's very, very likely that you are doing... Look, if you are the one that cooks in the home, either you made a concerted effort to change it or you're doing exactly like your parents did. 
Well, you might say, well, preacher, that's awful easy for you to say because it could only be one of those two, right? Most likely it's the way you saw your parents, okay? That's sociologists tell us that. And look, let me just say, this comes in to significance when we get into things about how we deal with relationships and how we argue with each other. Marriages are all about how you deal with, with conflict, really. And and so you argue the way your parents argue. If you slam doors and, and you run away whenever an argument happens, I guarantee you one of your parents, most likely the one that corresponds with you. So if you're female, it's how your mother dealt with it. Or if you're male, it's how your father dealt with it. If your words is how it goes, and that's always how it is, then that's how your authoritarian father always did it. And that's how you're going to do it in your home. Well, guess what? Your children see how you do it, and that's how they're going to do it in their home. Unless a major significant thing happens to change it. And guess what? Your grandchildren are going to be the same way. If they, and that's why it's so important to guard how you live. If they see you working all week and if every time you get off of work you grab a six pack of beer and you come home and you're half drunk by the time you hit the driveway and you are worthless and no good for the rest of the evening because you've finished off the rest of that six pack and started on another one until you pass out on the on the couch then guess what they're going to come home after a hard day's work and they're going to be half drunk when they when they get home when they hit the driveway they're going to drink and, and be drunk uh, most of the night unless they received abuse as a part of that and they'll do one of two things there either they'll perpetuate the abuse and do the same thing to their children or they'll be so adamant against it they'll be a teetotaler and never touch alcohol those are hard and fast rules about life and about our personalities. Those are how we live. And it's the same way in a Christian life. If you teach your children that every night uh, before you go to bed, you spend time in the Word of God and you pray, then your child's going to do that. If you spend time in God's Word and you model before them that you spend time in God's Word every morning before you do anything else, before you go to work, before while you're getting dressed or before you get dressed to go to work, they're going to understand how important it is for them to have the Word of God in their life, they're going to model it and they're, they're going to do the exact same thing, especially if you teach them to do it as you're doing it yourself. And you teach them how to do these things, they're going to take up those uh, habits of Christian and they're going to see that this is how a Christian lives and acts and this is what a Christian does. If you go out and you witness to people and you tell people about Jesus Christ as we're all uh, supposed to do and as we all realize that we have a responsibility and a duty to do before Christ, then your children are going to learn to do the same thing. But if you sit at home and you don't do anything, you don't ever share Jesus with anyone else and unless they have a a life-changing experience at the, uh, in front of Jesus in their life that changes their life, they're not going to do the, those things either. And God was telling the children of Israel, if you want your children to be blessed, if you want the land that they're about to possess to be plentiful and, and abundant, you're going to do these things and you're going to teach them to your children so that they will be my people as well. 
And while we're not the children of Israel, we're not Jewish, and we don't live under these same rules, a lot of these same principles, all these principles are very relevant for us today as Christians who know the Messiah, who understand who Jesus Christ is. Who, and it's more important for us than it was for them. And so we need to be sure that we do these things. And these are the blueprints of life. These are the foundations of our Christian life. The foundation of our Christian life. As we were talking about in discipleship training, the Word of God. Knowing it. Understanding it. Having it a part of your life. Applying it to your life. Are the foundations. This is the blueprint of life. If you don't have the blueprint, you're going to have some kind of monstrosity that, while it might be fun, may not be the most sound place to live. You want to have a sure foundation. You want to have a a solid foundation for life. You'll take the blueprint of life and apply it to your life. Make sure it's a part of your life. Make sure that you apply it to every aspect of your life. Make sure that you teach it to your children. And make sure that it is coursing through your veins. Every part of your day that you have free, that you're studying God's Word. These are the important things that we need to know. And it's the important things that we need to apply to our life. We, unfortunately, don't take it as seriously as we should. And that's why we have the problems we have. That's why we have the messes that we have to this day. Because we're trying to live without a blueprint in our life. Let's pray.